Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about five bodies. Could you please tell us what are they? Sure. I mean, I'm assuming you want to know of all the bodies that quote-unquote humans have access to, correct? Yes, like um, energy bodies, not the physical one. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess physical would be part of the the body structure anyway. You can't quite bypass it. Sure. All right. Um, Interesting topic. There's a lot of confusion around this topic on this planet, in this dimension. Um, And then, of course, there are multiple ways of looking at the subject also. But it is a rich topic and, you know, a topic that has potentially been understudied by humanity. So um, glad to be diving in. Um, I think the, the first question and, and point to look at is how many bodies does a human have? Yes. And there are many answers to that question. I could give you a few answers and all of them would be correct. I could tell you that a human has five bodies and that would be a correct answer. I could tell you that a human has seven or nine and that would be a correct answer. I could tell you that a human has unlimited and that would be a correct answer. And today I'll try to give you clarity as to what is the quote-unquote truth. I had to navigate this seemingly complex, confusing subject. Right, and uh, even some cultures, they have different number of bodies, right? Oh my god, yes. Well, here's the deal. You could think of this concept as a concept of the the Russian doll, right? Like, it's like a doll within a doll within a doll within a doll, like the Matryoshka doll. So, you know, we're the absolute smallest body um, that you would qualify, quantify as a body would be the physical. And then every other body on top of it is, has a slightly bigger diameter. In, from the higher perspective, right? And, and that's why there are so many answers. The reason that there are so many answers is because that the answers that people have come up with on this planet have different perspectives. I'll tell you that if I am looking at this from the highest perspective possible and available to me, 
as a soul, I will tell you that humans have an unlimited number of bodies. They never end. And every time you feel like you've reached the top, that top opens up and you see a new level. And within that level, there could be potentially thousands of more bodies. Now, the interesting part is, if you're looking at human bodies from a 3D perspective, right, which is what a lot of um, a lot of humans would, that, that would be the perspective of, you know, an incarnated human on Earth, you would actually only see five total, not unlimited. You mean C? Well, C as in you would be able to d- distinguish, I guess. Mm-hmm. It would be the right way because like when I say see, it, it implies that the majority of the population is able to see things with their third eye, which they are not at the moment. Got it. So even if you are the most advanced uh, practitioner and uh, like you cannot see more than five? No, no, incorrect. I said most people in right. 3D consciousness would only be able to differentiate five. Got it. Okay. Here are the five, right? Let me preface it with the fact that there is too much terminology around the names for these bodies that is not necessarily serving humanity in trying to understand this concept. What it does is it causes confusion. Depending on which which belief system you go into, which religious system you go into, all of these things might be called completely different. My intention here is not to establish the quote-unquote correct terminology, right? Because, you know, a terminology is just... You know, terminology is just a collection of words, you know? And my concern right now is that the way words have been applied to the system of light bodies is not serving humanity today because it makes this an occult science, occult meaning hidden, uh, or, you know, something that's hard to comprehend for your average person. Not dark, right? Mm, because there's so. a misconception about what the occult means. So my intention here in having this conversation with you would be to give as much clarity to what the difference is between the bodies. So outside of names, people could feel what's so different and special about them. And that, that's why I might not be addressing the heavy terminology, uh, depending on the body. I, I, might, I might not. And I will just use very simple words, as, as simple of words as I can, to help you distinguish what is the difference mm-hmm. between the bodies. So when I tell you, and, and we, we can look at it from multiple dimensions too, although it might be complicated. But in the spirit of making it as easy as possible, let's start in 3D first. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking at a human having 3D consciousness, here's what I'll be able to quote unquote see. First, there's always that physical body, which we all know what it is, you guys. That's the thing that you see in the mirror. The simplest body for you to comprehend. Also, for many of you, the only body that you associate yourselves with. Then you have a second layer, that second uh, doll <laughs> covering the first. 
that's already where the terminology starts to get pretty confusing. The second body and how I want you to think about it is an energy body. It has been coined other things before. People, some people, some factions within your whole are preferring to call this the etheric body. I find that half laughable, half incorrect. Because ether, while yes, I guess it could be denoted as everything that is and the energetic field, ether is just too broad of a term for you to be able to apply it to a body that is quote unquote so quote to the physical because you know everything in this universe is ether it permeates all you know dimensions from very low to very high and it's a very limiting perspective to be calling your energetic body your etheric body so for the sake of this exercise and for the sake of adopting terminology that most people can understand, that second body would be called energetic body. What that means is your body, physical body, really needs your energetic body to be able to function. Energy is that kind of like spark of life, right? You cannot get movement unless you have energy. What is fascinating, you know, since we're doing a quick overview of all the bodies, what is fascinating is where that energy is coming from, right? Yeah. So say that overlay of an energetic body that you have on top of your physical, you know, where does this energy come from? Does it come from the cosmos? Does it come from, I mean, where, like, you know, what are the sources? Maybe it comes from there. <laughs> Interesting concept, but it doesn't. Um and that, that that's where things get interesting. And maybe I'll uh, maybe maybe like let me quickly walk you through what the five bodies are first, mm-hmm. and then we can dive dive a little bit deeper because it might get a little bit complicated if I if I don't show you where we're going first, that full roadmap. So the second body is energetic body. The third body is emotional body. A lot of people schools of thought call it the astral body or they say astral is the same as emotional creates a lot of confusion too much confusion i'll explain later but there is you know an emotional body is is just that it's an emotional body there is absolutely no point in calling it astral for the same way that there is absolutely no point in calling energetic body the etheric body because it creates more confusion than it does clarity the next body, just the fourth, would be your mental. Your mental body has an overshell that a lot of other people mistake for another body, but it's not. It's one in the same body. So your mental body has an overshell of something that is generally called causal body. That concept of cause and effect. And I'll explain later what that means. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's, you know, the way, the way we should be looking at is it's just part of the mental body. They're one and the same. They're very interconnected. It makes no sense to uh, divide them into two, unless we truly wanted to. 
If we, if you know, if the exercise was instead of trying to understand the structure, trying to subdivide a human into as many bodies as possible, we could say that those are two. But I think that our intention here is to try to understand what the bodies are and how to work with them. And for that sake, it makes more sense to bring them together. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth and final body, body is the spiritual. Now, this is where things get really interesting. Because depending on what dimension you're at, that spiritual body is where the rest of the bodies lay, right? Mm -hmm. From a very low dimensional perspective, because you're, you know, everything in in the spiritual realm is so high dimensional compared to you, they all get clustered into one one big body, but you can find an infinite number of layers in that spiritual body. If we were to get 5D consciousness, I go a little bit higher in terms of our vibrations. Here's what we'd be able to see. We would be able to see, albeit not really quite understand, but we would be able to comprehend that this spiritual body is divided into three major sections actually. And that is what I meant originally when I said some people are going to see seven. Is because this fifth one is actually three in one. Here is how what you would be able to see in 5D. The three in one are the three layers of spirit bodies. So spirit, your spiritual body is something that has to do with spirit. It's the least, least physical, right? of all the bodies that you have access to. Mm -hmm. And truly, um, this spiritual body is what you're left with when you disincarnate. So when you disincarnate, all the other bodies, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, the physical, they kind of like fall away. And what you're left with as a soul is the integrated knowledge and memory of those bodies in your very low frequencies in your spiritual. That's what you would travel to. And that would that is quote unquote you. Everything else is kind of like an outfit that you put on when you incarnate. So technically you are not anything other than your spirit body. Mm-hmm. So it's your soul. Yes, your spirit body is your soul. I guess that would be one way of looking at it for sure. Now, I mentioned that, you know, if you're a little bit higher consciousness, and obviously you are aware that on this planet, there are beings that have 5D consciousness. A lot of the people are going to be listening to this particular podcast or people with 5D consciousness because these topics are a little bit out there. So what you would be able to see from your spiritual body is that it has three layers, three distinct layers, the lower, the middle, and the upper. The lower level is your personal spirit body. You could also think of it as your divided spirit body. That is when your soul is perceiving itself as separate from the rest of creation. Personal, like personality. No, 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 no. So like your soul, right? Mm -hmm. The out-of-body type of soul entity that you have 
has, you know, multiple levels of consciousness that are available to it. So as it keeps evolving and learning, it gets access to higher and higher perspectives. So the lowest perspective of a spirit body is that of division, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just your 3D perspective. Like it's not just in the physical that you feel separate from the rest of creation. It is in the lower vibrations of spirit consciousness, you would experience extreme separation also. Mm-hmm. So this would be your lowest level of the spirit body. Then, and that happens right around 7D consciousness. So we're moving into seventh dimension now. Mm-hmm. What becomes available to you in seventh dimension is what I would call extended consciousness or extended spiritual perspective that is when you start perceiving you more and more things outside of yourself as part of you let me give you an example Mm -hmm. because i think that that this is where it might be getting complicated for an entity like a human or whatever Um, When you have access to the lowest plane, and let's let's call them, and we can give them different names, like um, let's say spiritual, like we would call the lowest plane of that spiritual plane, spiritual body, right? That is, remember how I told you that this is the place where you feel most separate from creation? Yeah. But you're still connecting to that, bigger consciousness like spiritual bodies what signifies them is like you connecting to something bigger than yourself outside of yourself so somebody who would have access to those planes generally has access to things like their personal guides like even in 3d um guidance from the higher realms high levels of intuition lucid dreaming um you know they would feel whether they're on their path or off their path. In the more higher aspects of that, you would start getting access to your past lives, future lives, parallel lives. So all the information about you or for you. Right. That's right? what I said. Like, it's more like a personality, no? I think personality is a very, very complicated, uh, complicated construct because a lot of people believe that their personality actually is a combination of their emotional and mental bodies that is what a lot of people would identify with as their personality you are correct however if you look at the quote-unquote personality of the soul Mm -hmm. that yes correct lays in the lower level of that spirit body now, if we're moving up, and like I said, we're moving up one notch into what a lot of people would call your cosmic body. Your cosmic body is your extended self. In the particular example of a human that I just gave you, that would be a human who gets access and perspective and understanding into the galaxy that they live in. So... You know, when they go up to meditate or when they get guidance, they get galactic levels of guidance that are bigger than themselves, bigger than the planet that they're on, uh, bigger than um, potentially their immediate family, you know, bigger than their race. 
So it, it is access to the Akashic records of a galactic level. Everything that was, everything that is, and everything that will be. The emotional mental state of the galaxy, all the knowledge that belongs to the galaxy. If you go a notch higher, and that is still extended consciousness level. And some people divide that into yet another body, by the way. Um, we're not going to do that here for that sake. Everything that's extended consciousness, we're just going to call your cosmic body. For the sake of simplicity. Then you might get access to the consciousness of your parallel galaxies, your neighboring galaxies. You know, all the galaxies in the vicinity of your galaxy, etc., etc. And then the absolute highest level that you could possibly experience is what I would call the body of oneness. And that is pretty much when you feel one with source. Now going back to dimensions, right? Mm -hmm. Again, yet another very, very, very complex subject. Because in the same way that different perspectives are going to give you different dimensions, a number of dimensions, I've heard that there are nine, I've heard that there are 10, I've heard that there are 11, I've heard that there are 12, it, it, it goes on. The perspective that I hold is that there are roughly 12 dimensions, yet that last dimension is a collective dimension that could potentially open up to more. But just so you understand of how that corresponds to different bodies is in about fifth and sixth dimension, what you get access to is what you would call what you did call your soul personality level, mm -hmm. right? Like the lower level. The lower level. Yeah. Like your, you, like all the things that have to do with you. Mm -hmm. So all the information about your past lives, future lives, parallel lives, your personal quote-unquote karma and we can talk more about the concept of karma because that has been butchered as well uh, many times over uh, your particular spirit guides that are you know are either your your spirit family or the guides that want to coach you specifically would be available to you on those levels mm -hmm. you might not necessarily be able to commune with source consciousness all the time Although you could always say that all of your guides are part of that source consciousness anyway, right? Right. As far and as you're concerned. You mentioned that this is fifth and sixth dimension. Correct. Right, but it's not available for 3D. So another complicated question to answer. It is and it isn't. It all depends on your soul gifts and your soul evolution. Because at this point in time, you have souls incarnated on earth that are very much 3D souls, which means that this planet and its consciousness is a perfect match to their vibration. Mm -hmm. So these are the people that have never gone beyond 3D. And we have a lot of people like that incarnating here, incarnated here on Earth. At the same time, you have souls incarnated here on Earth that have mastered up to 11th dimension. Up to 11th dimension. And they're coming down here 
to experience 3D, generally they have missions attached to their lives because they've studied 3D for the sake of studying 3D eons ago. Mm -hmm. So these beings would always able, by the virtue of who they are as souls, they're always going to be able to access those higher dimensions, even from the limitations of a 3D consciousness. Whereas a soul that is, you know, the tip, their Everest is 3D. They're going to have a hard, hard time even accessing 5D consciousness. So... You know how the spirit body, the absolute very, very lowest level of spirit bodies is available to 3D, 3D normal, quote unquote, 3D people. Mm-hmm. So what you would call your gut feeling and intuition, mm-hmm. that is pretty much your first and dream state, dream state. That is pretty much your first experience as, you know, as a young soul that's evolving of what spirit spirit feels like in the incarnated physical world somebody who is a 5d consciousness has access to more layers of that spirit body and so they're able to leverage that to start getting guidance whether that's from you know like like i said from their personal guides their spiritual family whoever comes through you know they're able to get higher levels of guidance and this is where you get people who um you know, this is that first layer of people who will start having special abilities, what you would call, you know, all kinds of clairvoyances, clairaudiences, all of those things, healing. telepathy, yeah. healing. Yeah, yeah, that would be like the absolute lowest vibration these people hold, their soul holds is 5D. You're not going to find a lot of natural healers who have mastered 3D only, unfortunately. Got it. So even though we all in 3D, at the same time, you have access to 5D, 6D, 7D. Yes. Even though you still remain in the low vibrations of Earth. It's just your personal vibrations are so high. It allows you to connect to those dimensions. It's not even that that allows you to connect. And this is kind of like what I'm struggling to, to convey to you. Mm-hmm. When you're able to access something, it's you talking to yourself right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you don't have an arm, you cannot use an arm. Yeah. So no matter how much you want to use an arm, if you don't have it, tough luck. (laughs) So in the same way, like, because, because all of these higher, lighter bodies, like you're, you either have them or you don't. Like your light bodies either you know, are very well developed because you're a very old soul and you you did your homework and you worked hard and you completed your missions and you didn't break too many soul contracts. And all of those things in combination have provided you with more sophisticated, enabled, evolved light bodies or you don't. So if you already come into 3D, having all of those things built up, you will always have access to them to a certain degree. Because this is who you are. But if you are a 3D soul that has not, is young or maybe stuck or didn't put the right work, was breaking the contracts and, you know, not following through with the, uh, the uh, promises that they gave themselves, then you might not have your light bodies fully developed. It doesn't mean that they're not there. The potentiality is always there. It's just they're not, you're not 
they're, they're not going to be that helpful to you because they're so thin and then there is so little energy coursing through them that in essence, they're, you know, unaccessible to you. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Right. Okay, cool. So, okay, now let's talk a little bit about a fascinating concept of incarnation and what actually happens. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, what, what we kind of have just established is that we're this spirit body, right? Like we live in the spirit realm, if you will. Um, and we're a spirit body that has a number of layers depending on who we are, right? Oh, may I ask a question before sure. we go uh, further? Sure. So uh, there are two words, right? And I'm just I'm trying to understand their meaning. Yeah. Uh, it's a soul yeah. and a spirit, right? Oh, what's the difference? What's the difference? For the sake of this conversation, there is none. Got it. So it's the same thing. For the sake of this conversation, yes. Got it. But there is actually difference and it's so, a topic for another Yeah. I guess in the most simplistic way, soul would be that feminine aspect and spirit would be the masculine. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's just uh, for some reason I, I was just preparing for this uh, uh, interview and um, some cultures don't have a concept of spirit. Well, some some cultures are wrong. <laughs> right. And that's why I'm like, oh, okay. So. I've also, I've also, uh, what I've come across in the Akashic fields of, of Earth, which is quite fascinating, is that the concept of the soul tends to be placed below the concept of the spirit on the hierarchy. In other words, and that, by the way, does not surprise me one bit, given what you guys did to the feminine. Because soul, like I said, is that feminine aspect. And the fact that you as a society, a planet, collective consciousness, perceive spirit, the masculine aspect, uh, to be a higher, like having like a higher power, tells me that this is a patriarchal type of system. That That's the only reason why. In the divinity, in, 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 in like the truth of divinity is that those are equal aspects. Oh, that's something new. Yeah, so your, you know, your soul is not supposed to be below. Like, soul is connected to the emotion. By the way, spirit is connected to the intellect. Just so you know, right? So, so that you can start understanding that a little bit better. And that's why spirit is considered more masculine than intellect, uh, less emotional, unemotional, actually. And, and soul would be that emotional more like feminine, fluid aspect. Yes, and you're right. In most uh, cultures, uh, it's actually the um, soul goes first and then goes the spirit. So the spirit is higher. But you're, you're telling that they are at the same level. They are at the same level. But like I also said, it, it's not surprising me one bit. Right, right, right. Because that's how you've been running your society. You know, your God is masculine. Your source is masculine. Your, create, your creator is masculine. You're completely in denial as a collective earth consciousness. You're very much in denial of the feminine aspect of creation and the feminine aspects within yourself. 
that's why you got attracted to, you know, a lot of the people that are going through the actual schooling in here. They're attracted to this planet because that's the path and challenge that they want to be on. Yeah. Now, but, but like I said, for this, for the sake of this exercise, spirit and soul, I would use them interchangeably to mean the same thing, because there is also, there are a lot of limitations to your language, Mm -hmm. right? Like your language does not have the words that I need sometimes, sometimes, right? So I I have to use your vocabulary. And sometimes what that means is, if I'm using your vocabulary and it already comes with a preconception by you, then sometimes what I mean and what you think I mean might not be the same thing, right? Oh, yeah. So that's the, it's like translating from a higher dimension into a lower dimension. Like, unfortunately, it's not a perfect process. Hmm. I see. We just have to know that there, there is like a second meaning. Yeah, like I said, like for the sake of this exercise, let's use them as the same one and the same thing. If we ever, if you ever want to take a deep dive into the masculine, feminine, yin yang, you know, balance of gender conversation, it would be a very, very different story. Like a soul and a spirit would not mean the same thing. Yeah, we definitely should do it, given that there is a disbalance between divine masculine and divine feminine. Yeah, not just a disbalance, but also massive blind spots right. on this planet. Massive. Okay. Did you have any other questions? No, I mean, we can... Okay, because I know this is a little bit of a complicated topic. And, um, you know, since I'm also translating from <laughs> higher realms, it might be even more complicated. But let's talk about incarnation and how these bodies actually come to be. That touches upon a whole other a whole other can of worms and a whole other slew of topics. But basically certain things you quote unquote borrow when you come into this incarnation or any incarnation for that matter. So there are two creative forces that participate in an incarnation of any kind. Creative force number one is the physical planet that you choose to incarnate on. In this particular instance, it's Gaia, right? Uh, Of course, she has multiple light bodies as well, right? But So there are two sponsoring energies when you choose to, to incarnate into your body. That first one is the planet that you chose to incarnate on, in this particular instance, Gaia. And the second aspect is cosmic energy cosmos mm-hmm. um that's the second sponsoring aspect now cosmos is a very um overly generalistic term for a whole slew of energies that could be sponsoring you from the high realms it could be as high as the creator to as low as a particular race, alien race, um, that you know, is trying to bring forth your entity. So we're not talking about the universe. It's cosmos is more than the universe, right? No, no, no. So, so cosmos just means that 
it could be a range of different entities. Got it. Not one of them is bigger than the other. I could argue that universe is probably bigger than cosmos, but um, I don't want us to go on a tangent here because that's another three-hour-long conversation. All you need to know and what, what you need to feel is like if you imagine if you imagine your body, or like just imagine like yourself like a little baby, like a little baby. You need to know that there are two incoming energies. There is a an energy stream from the planet Earth, and then there's an energy that's like going from bottom up into the soles of your feet. You're like standing on it, quote unquote. And then there is another stream of energy from cosmos down and then they meet and converge and co-create an entity of you now i guess a little bit more elaborate than this when i say planet earth what do what do i actually mean because you're not just born onto planet earth you're born within a particular family you're born within a particular ancestral lineage right you're not just born right. without your parents. So right. you join a particular family. Mm-hmm. So your physical body is off the earth and of your familial lineage. It 100% belongs to them. And once you're done with your incarnation, it will go back to them. So it will disintegrate And all the energy that gets freed up in the process of disintegration of your body is going to go back to two entities, planet Earth and your familial lineage, your family, your family tree, if you will. Your spirit body is 100% sponsored by the cosmos. So that never disintegrates, by the way. But it would go back to where it came from without leaving any part of itself here. Got it. I think the mm -hmm. go for it. And uh, it will go back to where it came from. Yes. Outside of this universe. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. To its home. To its home. To its home. Yeah. I think the the other question is what happens with the rest of the bodies. Right. Right. And. The rest of the bodies from your, and so there are three that's left, right? Your energy body, your emotional body, and your mental body. Mm-hmm. These three. So these three are a collaboration. It's a collective project between Gaia and Cosmos. All three of these bodies, they get co-created by these two energies. So in essence, the whatever ancestral lineage whatever family you chose to go into is going to donate energies to create three of your light bodies for this incarnation let's look at the energy body first the energies that power your red your orange and the yellow chakras come from the earth And come from your ancestry. The green center energy in your energetic body, in the chakral system, might either come from your ancestors or the cosmos. That is one of those question mark chakras. 
How does this get determined? If you have a very ancient ancestral line that you chose to incarnate into that has developed their heart chakra and has enough of heart energy in their possession that they can share with you, then your green chakra would form from their energies, their earthly heart energies. If your lineage does not have a well-developed green chakra, which is actually, unfortunately, most of the lineages on earth right now, that green center energy would be borrowed from the cosmos. Everything above your heart chakra, so the the third eye, the throat, the crown, the uh, the, uh, seat of the soul is always borrowed from the cosmos. So I want you to think of your energetic body as a convergence of two energies, right? Mm -hmm. The bottom energies, by bottom, I don't mean bad. (laughs) The the energy is kind of like below the waist, waist and below would always come from your ancestral lineage and planet earth donated everything that's higher dimensions and frequencies is going to be donated by the cosmos so it's like that is the perfect unity the other two bodies the mental and the uh emotional are also co-created by these two energies generally your lineage your human lineage that you come into your ancestors would have an imprint, a collective imprint um, that would form your emotional mental body. So for your emotional body, it is the collective mental, oh, sorry, the collective emotional state of all of your ancestors combined. That's why, you know, there is such a thing as like epigenetics and how you borrow things from your ancestors. Hmm. You know, do you have your ancestors that have had a history of depression or anxiety Anger. Anger, whatever those issues are. Even um, alcoholism. You inherit them. You inherit them. Because that is the only way that your emotional mental bodies can be birthed. Uh, It is a collaboration of your cosmic energies and the ancestor energies that you're coming into. Now, super fascinating concept of karma. Um, because that's kind of like, it comes into play here. Uh, I don't have time to get into karma fully. And largely from the perspective of cosmos, karma does not exist. Largely. Where karma does exist is in the lineages, earthly lineages, familial trees, So all the actions, all the history, all the emotions, all the thoughts, all the good and the bad and the ugly things that happened with a particular lineage collectively are stored within the Akashic field of that lineage. So if you're a soul that, you know, technically there is projecting its energy into a particular lineage, you will inherit that collective imprint, whatever that is. And so from that standpoint, karma is going to be very, very real to you. 
but at the same time, it's by choice. So you chose to incarnate into a particular a lineage that is fighting a particular issue, right? Because you, you want that as a lesson. It doesn't mean that you committed a crime last life. Now you have to pay for it. That doesn't work that way because that karma, whatever you commit, that karma is going to actually stay within your, like the lineage that you were born into, not with you so much. Oh, but but you probably don't incarnate uh, to the same lineage all the time. Absolutely you don't. Right? So because initially I, I thought that karma should live in the lower level of the spirit. Body. And it kind of does, but uh, and that, that I was actually getting to it. So karma that lives in the lower space of that spirit body is more so a memory, an encapsulated memory of a lifetime that you lived within a particular emotional and mental body in a particular lineage. The only thing that spirit body is going to hold on to is a memory of how they acted. That's the only thing. It doesn't make them... They're not holding on to the emotion so much. Definitely to the a much, much, much lesser extent that the emotional body is. So, for instance, if you killed someone and that created a crazy emotional turmoil in you, 90% of that emotion and damage is going to remain with the lineage and remain on this planet. And quote unquote, 10% is going to go up with you into the spirit realm. Why is it 10%? Um, when I was saying that, I knew that we're gonna, you, you were going to ask that. The only reason I brought about the 10, 90% is to, to help you understand how little you actually carry with you. So all of that trauma, karma, nastiness, for the most part, the biggest chunk of it, like 90 something percent remains here. But as I understand, it all adds up given that you incarnate millions of times and then you have a big baggage of negative karma in your spirit. So there is no such thing as negative karma in the spirit. There is the memory of a particular action that you did given the particular circumstances. Got it. So it's just a memory. Yeah, it's just a memory. Now, it could also be, and you never know, by the way, what, what your intention was before you, you incarnated. You might have intended to kill someone, or you might have intended not to. And, the, and depending on what you actually intended and what you actually did, that is going to leave a very different imprint in, in your subtle body, uh, in your spiritual body. Like, w- did the things go, quote unquote, according to your plan or not according to your plan? Because if things went according to your plan, it's always a win for the soul. Mm-hmm. Even if you were a mass murderer, always a win. Mm-hmm. If they didn't, that is a lesson that was not learned. That means that it's going to have to be repeated. It's always like a, a slow down mechanism. And souls in general don't like moving slow. Got it. That makes sense. Okay, so, but let's uh, look at the, another example. Let's say you practice black magic. Sure. It's karma, right? And uh, then you die. This karma remains in your ancestry. Correct. And as a soul, you move to another uh, lineage, right, next time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is no, like, punishment or 
I don't know, bad fate uh, for this particular person in the new lineage, right? Even though the soul practiced black magic, for example. Yeah. So here's how this works. Um, once you disincarnate, say you practice black magic, then you disincarnate. And then you obviously instantly remember what the purpose of coming into that lineage was. I guarantee you, guarantee you, that if there was absolutely zero precursor to that familial tree, um, having the imprint of black magic onto it, you would be very tight-pressed coming into a very light familial lineage, getting all of the imprint of their love and light and goodness, and becoming a black magic practitioner. There is very, like the odds are so high that that is close to impossible. So what that means is prior to coming into a particular incarnation, you've looked at all the lineages that were available to you, and you've selected the one that had a very high propensity or a history of black magic in it. Because shift in familial uh, collective consciousness doesn't happen through one generation ever. It is a lot more gradual. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's like, imagine one particle versus a million. If that one particle is black and a million is white, that one particle is, just doesn't, doesn't change the, the, uh, the total, some total, does it? Right, it doesn't. So what that means is you very knowingly selected a familial lineage that had karma of black magic. So unfortunately, there is no answer of what's going to happen to you if you practice black magic because most likely you either intended to practice black magic and wanted to feel what it's going to feel like when you incarnated into an ancestry that had a history of it or you intended to resist black magic there's pretty much the only two options either you wanted to go with the flow or you wanted to go against the grain now, it creates a lot of optionalities already in, in this particular example. And so say you became a black magician. If your intention going into this was to experience black magic, it doesn't matter what you did, you accomplish what you set out to accomplish. That means you're still evolving. If you set out to resist and you're practicing black magic, then you did not accomplish what you set out to accomplish. What generally means for a soul, what that generally means for a soul is they look and analyze the results of what happened. They go and they really they go day by day by day of how did that happen? Why weren't they why weren't they able to resist when they wanted to, was supposed to? That was their intention. And then they would proactively select either the same lineage or another lineage with the same kind of challenge to go through this all over again. And that, in essence, is what you humans think is karma. When it's very much a, a choice and a self-induced experience. They don't ever, nobody ever gets punished for the choices that they make outside of, quote-unquote, being punished by themselves to endure that again. Yeah, that makes sense now. Okay. Yeah, that's a good example. 
Okay. okay. So uh, basically, uh, going back to forming your emotional and mental bodies, right? So there is an imprint that your lineage, your ancestry is going to donate. And then partially, depending on what your intention was when you came into this incarnation, you could donate certain aspects of your oversoul, which, you know, is basically your spirit or your soul. You would donate certain aspects to help form those bodies based on your past experiences, right? So you complete that puzzle. Does this make sense? Yes. Okay, great. So that's how these are formed. Got it. And uh, what about the spirit? Uh, all three levels are formed by the cosmos? Yeah, so you, they're not formed. You kind of like unlock level by level. So you start at that ground level, at the ground zero from the state of complete separation available to you in the spirit realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a child that was just taken away from his mother's womb. Yeah. That is that first sense of like, oh, I'm separate. Yeah. Ouch. This is the most separate you're ever going to feel as a soul. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of like, and that just generally coincides with your birth in the spirit world or rather you know the time when your individual spark left the source energy you experience intense amount of separation mm-hmm. and then your personal evolution is your road back to oneness and it goes through layers of these light bodies and initially only the very bottom layers are available to you as you keep growing more and more gets unlocked like a game like a new level in the game Mm -hmm. but you never lose old layers you just keep adding to them right so it's almost like you're growing in height as a spirit and that's why like older spirits are actually big big huge oceans and baby spirits are like puddles Mm -hmm. right so and it's all because of how how much a energy they have access to, but how much energy you're able to hold on to actually depends how many layers of these light bodies you have accessible to you. Because the more light bodies you have, they are, you know, obviously like a, a Russian doll. So every other light body that's on top of it is bigger. So it holds on more energy. It's more magnificent. Um, so the higher up you go, the more energy you're holding on to. So in, in other words, you like you already have those as a soul, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and you don't have to give them up. Like, in, in fact, it's just putting on more and more layers. You don't really shed layers from there. Got it. Uh, let's say, let's say um, you are... So first of all, it's like in order to work with these bodies, uh, you have to understand or maybe not understand I'm just trying to figure out the question. Uh, but you have to know your level. Maybe you don't have to know your level. But in order to connect to the lower level of the spirit body, you have to have certain abilities. Like You have to have access. And sometimes you just don't have this access. And in this case, if you don't have this access, you just work with lower bodies right yes and, uh, just you have to know that there is no way you can get higher this time there's very little benefit to trying to jump higher than what is meant for you to jump at 
Because if you came to 3D to study higher, like, or rather, let me take it back. You don't come to 3D to practice your, your uh, subtle spiritual bodies that are of, of, of higher dimensions. You just don't. That's not what you do. So let's just, let's just be real. 3D dimension for 99.99% of humanity means you need to practice the physical to the mental. Mm-hmm. That's all. With a little, a little bit of spiritual. Got it. And uh, as we know, most people are not even connected to their physical body. Absolutely. That's what I'm exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because if you wanted to practice your extended spiritual body or the cosmic body, there are infinite number of planets you should have incarnated on as opposed to Earth. Infinite. And to your point, yes, people are so disconnected from even the most basic level of their bodies, the physical, they have not mastered even that first layer. So let's start there. Let's start with how you can actually hear your physical body. What is it telling you? How should you be communicating with it? How can you really feel at home in it as opposed to judging it? How can you stop seeing it as an enemy and instead seeing it, see it as a friend? How, what are the signs that it's giving you that you know, could be relevant to understanding your lineage, your ancestors, your parents, your children? Your body can tell you so much, physical body. Then, once we believe as a society and as a planet that we have a handle on our physical, let's move to the uh, energetic body. A whole other count of worms, by the way. Mm-hmm. The, the humanity is only scratching the surface of trying to understand that. Then we should move forward to the emotional and then to the mental. And if there is any time left, maybe we can tap into the spiritual. Mm-hmm. Got it. So but there is absolutely very little point in trying to access the Akashic records of galactic level if you're working on getting married, if you know what I mean. Because like the kinds and the level of problems that people are solving in 3D are not that complicated. They're very, I don't want to call them small and simple, but from the higher perspective, that's what they are. Because 3D dimension is like spiritual kindergarten. You don't you expect so much from a kindergartner. You know, like they they come, they they have their food, they have a drawing lesson, they play, you know, with toys. It's not that complicated. Of course, to a kindergartner playing with toys feels like an important endeavor. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, higher mathematics is too early for these people. They still need to handle playing with toys really well. Got it. And uh, maybe just a little bit of um, history, uh, just to understand uh, how how did it happen? Like, how did we lose connection? Uh, when did it happen? Uh, which connection? Uh, with all these bodies, like as a humanity. Oh. <sighs> Complicated questions. So arguably, we've never really truly on planet Earth ever had 
complete connection with these bodies. We had periods in the history where we were closer than we are now. But at no point in human history of planet Earth did the human race come to fully understanding their bodies. That just didn't happen yet. It is very much... So it's not like we lost that connection. We never gained it. Mm -hmm. Right? And like I said, there were times where we had a little bit of more of a connection. That, that was the time when, you know, uh, and it actually really all starts with, do you have the connection to that? Like, it, that, that's the energy that moves from, from high to, to low in this particular instance. So there were times on planet Earth when um, there was the, the guidance from your per, like personal guides and in your, in your spiritual family was a lot easier to access. And when it was easier to access, all of the aspects of the other bodies were just told to the people by those higher uh, entities that were holding a higher perspective. So that's how humans were learning all about that, right? Mm -hmm. And so technically, once you take away for the general population, the ability to be guided by those higher um, frequency entities, um, then there's nobody to tell you how this works. And not only that, and all the old knowledge was turned into the occult and forbidden and hidden and, oh my God, like, God forbid anybody ever finds out. They might start thinking for themselves. So part of this is also who has control over this planet. You know, the... Uh, the entities that have control over this planet have no interest in people getting guidance. Mm -hmm. Got it. Uh, let's say the period of Atlantis. Um, like, did they? At what level? Uh, what level of connection with their bodies uh, did they have? Uh, the Atlanteans really understood the energetic body fairly well, mm -hmm. compared to. Uh, the humans of today, I want to say that that's where that pretty much stopped. The Atlantean civilization never really went into the understanding of their emotional and mental bodies. Just energetic. Energetic is where they stopped. That doesn't mean that they completely mastered the physical, but they've definitely had a much better proficiency of the physical and understanding of the physical than the humans of today. Got it. And uh, what about, for example, uh, Lemurians? Lemurians had a better understanding of... Um, they went a little bit ahead. They were a little bit ahead. They understood um, a chunk of the emotional body also. Uh -huh. Got it. And uh, what about Hyperboreans? Uh, Hyperboreans bypassed the emotional, went into the mental. But heaven must they were halfway through mastering mastering the mental so they had a much better understanding of the physical they had a really decent understanding of the energetic they bypassed emotional and they had a decent understanding of the mental mm -hmm. so way then went pretty far got it and um, like given the state of the humanity and like we're channeling, channeling this information. Uh, like, what would be your advice uh, where the humanity should focus? The humanity should start with the physical. Mm -hmm. 
uh, very often the, the, the healing of the physical is very much intertwined with energetic. So understanding those two is where I would start. Got it. Okay, but looking at the, um, like, um, root cause, mm-hmm. um, like, first you have a thought, and then you have an emotion, and then you have a disease. And uh, in order to heal your physical, you have to control your thoughts, but thoughts are emotional i'm sorry mental body so everything is very much interconnected you know what's the biggest problem with uh the chain of events that you just described Mm -hmm. that is true however you're not starting from scratch and you're not starting from perfection so when you descend into this body your emotional and mental body is already messed up by your ancestry a hundred percent of the time Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're starting from this perfect little human that, you know, is coming into point zero and uh, of perfection. You're not coming into a perfect state. If you were, then yes, if you were to just heal that thought, you could unwind from there. What about all this ancestral trauma that is already there? You didn't have to think a thought. You didn't have to feel a feeling. You are born into a thought. You are born into a feeling. And that gets manifested in your body. Mm, I see. But let's say like cleaning the lineage, is it part of the energy body or it's part of the physical body? Mm, complicated question. Can you, uh, can you clean the energy, your ancestral energy, if you work on the physical yes, you're still going to have to use energy. It just doesn't necessarily. So like there are, when you do energetic, when you do healing Mm -hmm. on your physical body, you can leverage your energetic body or external sources that are not generally coursing through your body, right? Like you can tap into a golden ray. You can tap into a green ray, even if the golden or the green ray is not your sponsoring energy for your energetic body. Remember how I told you there are multiple energies that form your energetic body, some from your ancestors and some from the cosmos? Yeah. So the cosmos, generally, it's more than one energy that comes together to give you that body. That could be so many different things. It could be an energy from planet Orion um, that, you know, flows into you at 20%. It could be the energy of... Um, a particular race, such as a fairy tale, like a dragon racer, for instance, you know, or like an elemental energy of like cosmic fire that came into you. There's just so many different energies that could be sponsoring energies for a human. That being said, when you're doing the healing, you are still going to call forth energy. And it's either going to be the energy that you forever have access to, access to, because of the energies that were forming energies of your body, by the way, the energies that were form like that you were you brought forth at formation remain with you for the duration of your life unless you deny or disown them. Um, those sponsoring energies are kind of like your anchoring energies. But 
sometimes greater healing can happen if you bring forth another energetic stream to work on a particular issue. And that is, you know, quote unquote, like borrowing energy. Got it. Yeah, that's clear. Okay, and uh, maybe one last question before we finish this session. Uh, where does uh, uh, aura belong? Okay, depends on who you ask. At the most simplistic level, the aura that is visible with the naked eye to wh whoever can see aura. <laughs> Let me preface it with that. Right. Um, that would be your um, uh, energetic body. That is as a general rule. So when you do aura photography, for the most part, the bulk of it is your energy body. That's the bulk of it. Now, mind you, does it still let us know who you are? One billion percent. Because in this one snapshot, I can see exactly the color of the ancestry energies that are making up your body and the color of your sponsoring energies from the cosmos, which tells me which vibrations in the cosmos you belong to and vibrate at the same frequency as because generally it's not random that certain things certain energy sponsor you is because some part of your consciousness vibrates at the same frequency however this is a trick question because an aura is also something that each soul has when we are disincarnated and the color of that aura is the collective combination of the colors in all of your spirit bodies that you have integrated to date. So that's how spirits are going to recognize each other and what they're all about instantly. They're reading energy frequencies, right? Yeah. Now, are there exceptions to this rule? Yes. Is it like, like I said, like in general here in 3D, when you do aura photography and when people see auras, they see the energies that are coming in your body. Is it possible that you have an emotional trauma that's so big that's clouding your energetic body? Absolutely. Is it possible that your mental body is so traumatized that it's creating a cloud or black clots or spots or dimming a part of your energy in the energetic body and showing up in your photography and scans? Absolutely. Oh, is it because uh, it's like a layer on the layer on the layer? Yes. Because it just interferes? Correct. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, so water is part of your energy body. Yes. It's basically your energy body. For the most part, yes. For the most part. Got it. Okay, that's cool. All right. Uh, thank you so much for uh, this information. Um, it's very helpful. And now I'm going to end our session. I'm very grateful for the information you provided us today. I'm asking the higher self to receive to where it belongs with much love and much thanks for the help and information it has been given Maria today. I know she's really going to appreciate it. Now I want all this consciousness and personality of Maria to once again return and fully integrate back into the body completely.